Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The Lab Leak Theory apparently wasn't a conspiracy after all. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We're getting through that news of the cray here together. Every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Joining me as always to get through it, Tragons Phillips, Billy Hallowell on this Monday. What's up, fellas? How you doing? We're doing well. I'm doing well. I can't speak for Trey. I'm doing well. It's a it's a good Monday morning. How many coffees in are we? Two. Two? All right. Two. That's it. Only two. None so far. (laughs) It's it's too too early for me to. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to do anything at this time. I'll be, right. I'll be praying for you, Trey. Yeah, I'll be praying for you. But uh, no, I'll, I'll start the coffee soon. I'll yeah. start the coffee shortly. Well, people have to realize, you know, of course, we're taping this before the 7 a.m. time. Right. So we're even two coffees in pre-7 a.m. It's impressive. It's impressive work. But uh, caffeine always uh, appreciated on a Monday. But uh, what do we have coming up on Focus Story today, fellas? Yeah, we're going to be talking about um, Alex Kendrick from the Kendrick Brothers. He experienced the revival at Lee University. He's going to tell us about what he saw. All right. Looking forward to that. On the main thing today, we've got uh, the racist history of Planned Parenthood. I know some people are aware of this, but uh, it's still apparently one of those kind of secret angles that mainstream media doesn't often focus on. So we'll have uh, the details from Madison Seals on that. First, we're going to go through the news here in 90 seconds. Tornadoes popping up across the Midwest. They were sighted in Oklahoma and Kansas as a powerful storm. Uh, carrying strong gust went from Texas's panhandle yesterday, moved across throughout the evening. Tornado watches and warnings remain in effect throughout Oklahoma earlier today. At least two tornadoes were spotted in Oklahoma City. The damage was reported in Norman and elsewhere. And widespread gusts ranging from 70 to 90 miles per hour in Oklahoma. So we'll be watching out for that. Also, potential snow in the northeast tonight. You can get more details over at CBNNews.com. Chris Kirk wins the Honda Classic, and he thanked God for his sobriety as part of the reason that he hasn't lost everything in his life and also is able to continue to play the game that he loves. He said... For that to have happened, it was his first win in eight years, by the way. And he said, for that to happen and work out for me, obviously there were some decisions that I made, but mostly the grace of God and a lot of other people that really helped me along the way, he said, when talking about dealing with his battle with alcohol. And the lab leak theory is now the most likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the Energy Department. Those are just some of the day's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, I wanted to park on this lab leak th- uh, story from the the Washington, uh, from the Wall Street Journal that they just talked about and uh, wrote about as the Energy Department is now saying they joined the FBI and saying it's most likely. I mean, they don't They're not saying it's guaranteed that that was it. But remember, what I find interesting about this story is just how the media treated anyone who brought up the possibility. I mean, you were treated as a xenophobe. You were banned on Twitter and on social media if you said that, hey, maybe we should look into this lab in China. We know China's not being honest with us. Everyone knew that. Government knew that. But yet somehow it was just treated as unapproachable territory to mention the fact 
that maybe China messed up. Well, obviously, for me, the biggest thing here is information and being able to question things. Yeah. Even if you're asking bad questions, we yep. should be able to do that. But I think the bigger thing, as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, oh, Okay, you know, we had Donald Trump telling us there was evidence of this, right? That he saw mm -hmm. evidence of it and everybody dismissed him and said he was crazy. But we also had Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, saying that as yeah. well. And so we dismissed all of that. And here we are now. And I'm wondering, well, what else is in this lab? Mm -hmm. What other what other illnesses and things are lurking around this lab that now we've allowed to go unfettered for two years yeah. and pretending this didn't happen? Well, uh, yeah, you so you're a, a right wing like nut in a tinfoil mm -hmm. hat if you suggested this, but so that's obviously frustrating. But two, if we had acknowledged or entertained these questions earlier, not only should we be able to ask these questions just for the sake of asking them, like you were saying, Billy, but they would probably color how we respond to different crises. Mm -hmm. And if we had entertained the possibility that this could actually be where COVID came from, that certainly probably would have impacted the way we responded to COVID and the way we handled it politically, uh, like health-wise, all of that could have drastically changed if we could have just had some intellectual curiosity mm -hmm. about this from the beginning, uh, instead of making it a political football literally from day one. Yeah. And you know what? I, I haven't looked at the timeline of this, but do you guys remember John Stewart's rant I believe it was on Colbert's show. They thought he was joking and making fun of conservatives who were, were talking about this. Hey, maybe it's a lab leak. We should look into this. That became a political thing. And Jon Stewart did this rant, and it was really funny. And he was like, I don't know. I mean, it's called the Wuhan lab of coronavirus. It was just a really funny rant and um, obvious as well. And he got ripped for that. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, there's conspiracy theories. Why is he dabbling this? And then here we go as time goes on. But I wonder if Jon Stewart's rant was like a tipping point for media to be like, uh, maybe we should look into this. It's sad. It's really sad if it takes Jon Stewart to sort of shame them into taking this thing seriously and not just calling it a, a, a conservative story. So I haven't looked at the timeline, but I would not be surprised if it wasn't long after that that you start to see headlines dripping in, taking it more seriously, like one at a time. Look, the biggest problem here is that because Donald Trump is so controversial, right. because the media's reaction they instantly they, sided. Yes. And that is to me, that is the most dangerous thing yep. in all of this. And and the media bias is just so real. It's not even funny. I, yeah, I, I was just going to echo that, Billy. That was essentially uh, where I was going with that was that is what happened. Donald Trump you know, was aggressively going after China calling it the China virus and the Wuhan virus and things like that. And the media reacted so overreacting to that, that they just, you couldn't say anything about it, about it potentially even at all being China's fault or else you were xenophobic, et cetera, et cetera. So a, a, a big indictment on the media here, I think. All right. Well, something to keep an eye on for sure, because the media is already treading on thin ice. And so it's, it's good to hold the media at large accountable for things like this because we don't we don't want them to happen again it's not the way we should operate for all the reasons yeah. just stated so all right let's head into our next story here and alex kendrick has recently experienced revival firsthand over at lee university this was another one that popped up in addition to what we've been reporting from asbury so billy what's the story here 
Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. Alex Kendrick, obviously, he's known for War Room, Overcomer, mm-hmm. Courageous, Fireproof. He's an actor, producer. Um, but he has three kids who actually attend Lee University, and this is a private Christian school down in Tennessee. And this was the school that had the revival after Asbury, right? It sort of was sparked mm-hmm. at Lee University. And so Kendrick was, was visiting his kids at Lee, and he said, you know what? I want to go in and see what this is all about. You know, he just happened to be there, and he's like, I want to go in and see what is this powerful gathering of students and faculty. Um, and so he and his kids and his wife uh, went in and for about almost three hours, two and a half hours, joined in worship and spent time watching this unfold. And so you know, he joined us and we had a chance to kind of sit down and talk about what he saw. But it's, it's pretty cool and pretty incredible that he just happened to pop in there and, and take part in it. Yeah, that is. And what was uh, what was his take on the whole thing? Well, you know, the one thing he said that I found really interesting, you can watch the full interview over on our YouTube channel at CBN News, but he talked about the fact that nobody was orchestrating anything. There was nobody up front with an agenda. You know, there there was no sort of breakdown of events. Um, He said people would share testimonies, they would read scripture, and people would do that at various points in the room. He was like somebody would sort of start up, stand up and start reading a psalm or a passage from the Gospels, and then everybody would agree. Um, And then somebody else would randomly start singing a hymn or a word worship and praise song and the whole group would join in and he said it was it was really interesting to watch because again there wasn't anybody up there directing it it was just happening mm. um and he he called it a very sweet move of god and he said it was very obvious there were multiple denominations in the room um, but that despite those differences there was this unique unity with everybody acknowledging jesus and their need for god in their lives um and so, yeah, it's just pr- pretty interesting to hear his uh, description of it. Yeah, indeed. And there, uh, there also there were some claims that, of healings. What was uh, what are the details around that? Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of this, right? And you and you want to vet these things because we know healings are possible, but you always want to try to dive right. in and understand what's going on. But he talked about one woman, and I believe he said it was a professor who pulled him aside and was like, hey, you know, we had a group praying over this woman who was deaf. This is somebody who had come into this deaf, and they were praying over her, and her ears opened up. Um, another woman had this, like, knee injury and couldn't walk and experience healing. Uh, and so he, he talked about, and again, everyone's careful with how they talk about these things, but that that these claims were really raging around these events. And those were just two examples that he shared. Wow. That is great. So, um, I mean, fantastic to see and, um, exciting, honestly, it's really exciting time, but, uh, why would you say this story, you know, what's the, what's the uh, significance in the grand scheme of things here? Yeah, you know, like there's a lot of conversation around this and people trying to figure it out and understand it. Um, Kendrick said, you know, we got to be careful about putting God in a box. He talked mm-hmm. about how in his own life and ministry, he's learned that, you know, it's really easy to sort of assess how you think God should pour his spirit out. But, you know, God has his own way of doing things. So we've got to be careful how we assess that. And we've got to, again, approach it with discernment. And he talked about that. Um, but he talked, he spoke about the students he has talked to who really felt God profoundly touched their hearts during these events at both Lee and at Asbury. And again, he's got three kids that are at Lee experiencing this personally. And he was really moved by that. Um, and, and that a lot of young people are feeling like something truly impacted them, like something really happened um, and they're coming clean before the Lord. So I think that's why, that's why it matters at a time when culture is so disturbing and just descending into chaos that that all these young people are focusing on the right things, right? Or or at least are being exposed 
to yeah. a focus on the right things is is a really good thing. Right, exactly. And and I, I echo that as well. I mean, when I watch everything that's going on, you know, you're going to have people saying like, and, and I think it's good, right, to use discernment, like you said, and to, and to watch and make sure things aren't going completely off the rails and maybe point it out if it does. But to not nitpick and to just ex- and be excited about the fact that, hey, here's a lot of young people going towards God. I mean, we're seeing riots. We're seeing people just, um, you know, randomly attack people. We're seeing crime spike and people feeling like they're entitled to just go in with a group of people and just steal everything in the convenience store and just run out with it. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of stuff. We're seeing sexual disorder all across the country uh, at incredible levels that we've never seen before. And you know that that's generally prevalent in colleges and universities as well. So to see something like this now, I mean, we should definitely be excited about it, that it's moving in that direction, that that is happening at all. I mean, let's not forget the other possibility is that there could be none of this. No one could be going towards God at all in any way, shape, or form. So uh, I think it's, you know, something that we need to consider when we're looking at this, that, hey, this is exciting because of where culture's at. Well, and I think also recognizing that this is the beginning of something, right? Yeah. If, if you know, this is a, an awakening of sorts. So it's not a discipleship movement. Should right. it turn into that? Absolutely. Like as, as believers, particularly if you're a new believer, you should be able to get plugged into a church and, and then fall into discipleship from there. But I think you, as you said, we shouldn't be too nitpicky because this is just the first step. This yeah. is just a realization that, wow, I'm broken and I need I need a God who's yeah. perfect to, to save me. So that is an important first step. And the fact that these Gen Z kids are in such a place of humility that they're willing to seek after that, mm-hmm. that's something worth celebrating and, and obviously worth worth crediting God for doing because apart from God, we don't we don't humble ourselves, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So, all right, well, that's great stuff. Appreciate you bringing it uh, on, the, on the podcast today, Billy. And um, we're going to, with that, head over to the main thing. And Planned Parenthood, some people are not aware that there is a very racist history behind the organization that many people champion today well the reverend dean nelson with the human coalition talked about those racist and eugenic roots uh, and emphasized the value of mothers and the unborn during black history month madison seals has the interview on today's main thing A local Democrat official in Massachusetts is facing calls to step down after complaining about the cost of special education for children with disabilities who are not aborted. Just last week, Michael Hugo, the chair of the Framington Democratic Committee, made the comments during a city council meeting while discussing access to abortion. But while he issued an apology about 10 days after backlash from members of his own party and parents of special needs children, this really points to a bigger problem. President Biden's currently considering declaring a public health emergency as a way to boost access to abortion. But joining me to talk about the real abortion emergency is Reverend Dean Nelson, chairman of the Frederick Douglass Foundation and vice president of government relations with Human Coalition. Reverend Nelson, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for this important topic. Yes, it is important. And I want to give you an opportunity to react to the story I just mentioned, because it was so disgusting that it drew criticism from both sides of the political spectrum. You have to be pretty outrageous to get pushback from both sides. 
What do comments like Michael Hugo's say about the declining value of life in our country? Well, I think you said it perfectly. It represents uh, the idea or the philosophy that not all life is precious, that some lives are better than others. Some lives have greater value than others. And we've seen this type of uh, mindset that stretches way back even into our history in America with the uh, the beginning of the eugenics movement, which largely came uh, into practice and in vogue, uh, you know, after slavery, uh, particularly at the uh, the beginning of the 1900s. In fact, uh, it was Margaret Sanger who helped to start one of the first birth control clinics in New York City, um, based on this uh, erroneous philosophy that there were some that were fit and some that were unfit. And that is the beginning of the uh, racist, I believe, eugenics viewpoint in the abortion movement that we now see today. Right. And I do want to bring up the ebook that you co-authored recently called The Complete Guide to Defund Planned Parenthood, where you talked about this dark history of Planned Parenthood and specifically its founder, Margaret Sanger. This shouldn't be surprising to many that an organization that kills babies on a daily basis has dark roots, but many probably aren't aware of how deep those roots go or how out in the open they are today. Like these aren't secret facts that are hidden somewhere in textbooks or history books or something. This is out in the open, some of the comments that she's made in the past. You know, we've tried to draw attention uh, to this, many of us, uh, particularly African-American pro-life advocates for the last two decades. And I'm happy to say that more attention has been given to it. In fact, just two years ago, we had a letter that we sent to the president of Planned Parenthood with over 100 signatures of black Americans, some uh, doctors, some elected officials, some pastors, some uh, academics and scholars, really calling out the racism of Margaret Sanger and the history of Planned Parenthood. Uh, even Planned Parenthood has own its own employees that have used that type of uh, information to bite against Planned Parenthood, saying that they have racist practices even within their own organization as it relates to hiring. So we can go all the way back to Margaret Sanger's letter in 1939 that she wrote to uh, Clarence Gamble of the Procter & Gamble Fortune. And she stated in that letter that we don't want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. She would further state mm. that the minister is the one who could help aid them in straightening out their more rebellious members if this idea ever occurred to them. So as you stated, it is uh, not that it was hidden at all. Uh, Margaret Sanger had written these things as well as speaking before Ku Klux Klan groups during her time period, trying to gain support and favor for her eugenic ideas. Right. And I think many would say that Planned Parenthood in the modern day is different than it was in the past, or it's primarily about offering women pregnancy services. But according to a 2015 report, almost 80% of Planned Parenthood's abortion facilities are located within walking distance of minority neighborhoods. Based on the organization's history, do you think that this is intentional? I definitely think that it is intentional. Even in the last you know, decade, we've seen Planned Parenthood closing uh, some of their clinics in more rural areas and opening up large mega centers, uh, particularly in black and Latino areas. I think that the mindset is, is that, hey, we can go into these vulnerable populations under the guise of doing good. But the reality, as a friend of mine has always said, you don't solve poverty by killing the poor. 
you don't solve these issues by offering more abortion to communities. Abortion is not health care. And that's why we at Human Coalition have offered life-saving help and support to women. Uh, we have done research that demonstrates that 76% of women who are seeking abortions say they would choose to parent if their circumstances were different. And so what we've tried to do is to come alongside uh, women and communities by offering help and hope, not offering the type of uh, you know things that Planned Parenthood is offering, which is primarily abortion, because that's part of their business model. Right. And thank you so much for what you guys do there at Human Coalition. As you said, this life-saving research for to help women and to point them towards truth and real help. And after Roe v. Wade was overturned, I think a lot of the pro-life efforts have been largely focused on this, on ministering to women and helping them through crisis pregnancies. But there's lots of battles taking place in this ongoing war against abortion. Some would say the war is just now beginning after Roe was overturned. And your ebook points towards Planned Parenthood as the kingpin or the foundation of the whole pro-abortion movement. So how does the pro-life movement go about taking down a giant like Planned Parenthood? Yeah, and they uh, they are a giant. They've been uh, they've been around in some way, shape, or form for over a hundred years. And uh, one of the things that we have tried to do is to engage uh, in communities to have a grassroots efforts to challenge their city councils to uh, challenge state legislatures like in the state of Texas, where they were successful in defunding Planned Parenthood. That means that they don't get that type of funding that they would normally get in a huge state like Texas, and then redirecting those funds to life-serving, life-affirming support. So for instance, in Texas, uh, when they did pass uh, the Heartbeat Act, they appropriated over $100 million to help women who might be struggling with uh, choosing abortion, but they wanted to be able to provide the support. And again, going back to the data that we have collected at Human Coalition, think about it. More than two-thirds, you know, 76% of women say, hey, look, if I had help and support, if my circumstances were different, I would choose to parent. And so that's part of what we're trying to do is to encourage states at the state legislature and initiatives at the federal level to defund Planned Parenthood, to take the funding away from them that they get to supposedly to do good work, but it props up an industry that really seeks to take the life. There's roughly almost a million abortions that occur every year, and Planned Parenthood as an industry has 41% of the market share of all of those abortions. And so we're trying to help states to understand how they can defund Planned Parenthood by stripping that funding and by crippling the abortion giant. It really is a national effort. And on an individual level, how do we explain to people the truth of abortion while also communicating God's love to them at the same time? Yeah, you know, part of it is really helping to educate and to inform people. Number one, simply, what is abortion? We tell people, listen, the abortion abortion is the intentional taking of a preborn human being. It's taking the life of a preborn human being. So that's where we start. There's no reason that we should have to take the life with the opportunities to support women, with the opportunities for adoption. We believe that every life is precious, no matter what, and that if we need to provide additional services to women or to families to help care for uh, children that are 
uh, quote unquote unwanted, then let's be able to do that. There are many states where there are uh, waiting lines for people who want to adopt. How can we have preborn children to be helped to uh, come into this world, but then also helped once they make it into this world? That's so important and so often misunderstood that by helping women through crisis pregnancies, you're reminding them of their own worth and their baby's worth, regardless of their age, size, color, or economic status. We love being able to communicate these truths, uh, particularly in a month like Black History Month, where we honor the life and legacy of people like Frederick Douglass, um, Sojourner Truth, uh, Harriet Tubman, who are all uh, advocates uh, of the sanctity of human life and the dignity of all people. Reverend Nelson, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right, Madison, thanks for that conversation there. Really appreciate that. Well, that leaves us with time here for one last thing. We're going to take a look at Isaiah 12, 4, and 5. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. And I just read that verse, guys, and I think what a great reminder to point to God and all the good things. You know, it's easy to ask for help when we're in times of need. But then when things are going well, we've got to praise God for those things. And we've got to point to the things that he's done. I mean, think of the golfer that won and he's saying, hey, God has just helped me be sober. And that's led to all these things. What a great thing he's done. And uh, I just think that's uh, it's awesome when we get to do that. Yeah, and when we get to share it, and that's what we get to do here is we get to elevate those stories, yeah. which reminds people of that hope and that truth. Yeah, I think it's important, too, to remember that God's goodness isn't tied to whether we get what we want or we don't right. get what we want, yeah. right? So God God is good in, in both situations, but certainly when the good stuff happens, we should be quick to give him the credit for it, because apart from him doing that in our lives, we wouldn't be where we are. Amen. Amen to all that. And that just like that, we've made it through Monday. I mean, it's that easy. It was that easy. Uh, but... That is it for the podcast today. Lord willing in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more. God bless. See you here tomorrow.